0: Good morning, lovely to be with you this morning and um, greetings uh, to anybody who's with us for the first time it's really lovely to have you joining with us again this with with us this morning hope you feel at home with us and um, yeah great well let me just pray and then we'll make a start shall we Lord Jesus thank you for another opportunity Lord to be together and to be able to worship together And I pray, Holy Spirit, that wherever we are this morning, that we would know and sense, Lord, your presence and that sense of connectedness that there is in you, Lord. We love you, God, and we think you're amazing. Amen. Well, it's um, the start of Easter week this week, isn't it? And um, today is uh, Palm Sunday. And so I thought it'd be really nice if we could start this morning uh, by just watching this little spoken word. It's really great, and I hope you find it a blessing.
1: You're the Christ. He asked us who he said he was. That's what he said. You're the Christ. You know he rode a donkey into Jerusalem, right? People laying down a procession of palm leaves for the one we'd all been waiting for. It was like... One of those pinched me moments. Then Passover came. Me and the boys are tucking into the flatbread and Jesus just comes out with it. One of you dipping bread in the balsamic's gonna turn me in, he said. Then he takes the bread, tears and shares it. What are you waiting for? Tuck in, he said. This is my body, broken, beaten, bruised for you. Then he gives thanks and passes round the red. Drink up, he said. This is my blood, poured out for plenty. A bit later, we're up the Mount of olives with Jesus. You know, when push comes to shove, you're all going to bail on me, he said. No chance, I said. The rest of the might. I'm not going anywhere, I said. Count on it, he said before the night's over, you'll swear blind you don't even know me, he said. On my life, I'll never deny you. I'll die for you, I said. It all happened so fast. One minute, we're with Jesus as he's praying up Gethsemane and we're sparked out unconscious. the next. They've got Jesus in handcuffs. And all I can remember is what he said. That we'll bail on him. That we'll deny him. That I'll deny him. I'm not having it, I thought. He's got it wrong, I thought. So I drew out my sword. I gripped my teeth and I let rip. I cut this guy's ear clean off. Come on, let's have it! Enough, Jesus said. As he just goes quietly, and I just legged it. I tailed him till we ended up at the chief priest's place. Me, in the courtyard, outside by the fire. Him, inside standing trial, (laughs) trial, witnesses fabricating fake news, trying to pin something on Jesus that would land a death penalty. You got nothing to say, they said. No defence, they said, goaded him, give it to us straight. Are you the Christ, they said, I am, he said. Enough said, as the guards Struck him, stripped him and spat on him. Bang! Go on! Prophesy you landed that right up, they said. Meantime, I'm warming my hands by the fire, trying to keep a low profile. Although there's only so much blending in you can do when you're watching your best mate and mentor get the living daylights kicked out of him. Hang about. I know you, the servant girl said. Must have one of those faces, I said. No, you're a... One of this lot from Nazareth, she said. Don't know what you're talking about, love, I said. I made a beeline for the exit, but now she's got a captive audience. Hey, guess who he's friends with, she said. Thinks she's had a bit too much of the Merlot, I said. But they won't let it go. I could see them eyeballing me, working it out in their head. Come on, mate. If you're not from Galilee, I'll eat my own sandal on my mother's life. I've not even met the guy. The cockle crows a second time. And that's when I see him. Tossed around like a tear and share of flatbread. Broken. Beaten. Bruised. Just like he said. And with a bottle's worth of red blood smeared across his face, he looks at me. He looks right at me, right into the depths of me. And all I can remember is what I said. I'll never deny you. I'll die for you. Three times you'll deny me, Pete, he said. And I just broke down and wept. <laughs>
0: So good, hey, yeah. Well, this week is Easter week, and today is uh, Palm Sunday. So I'm gonna just read some Bible verses to you. Um, Yeah. So from Matthew's Gospel, We read, And they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey. and and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. um, The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them And also just want to read this little verse from Colossians. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Great, okay, well we'll come back and think about some of those verses um, in just a little while um, and uh, and share a few thoughts with that. But before we do, just got a few notices and then we're gonna have some worship and we're gonna have a really great video in a moment as well. So um, just a couple of notices. Um, Just to uh, let you know that Good Friday this year, you know, we always um, celebrate Good Friday as churches together in the town, don't we? And last year we had to do uh, some some things online, but um, this year we're gonna have a full on sort of uh, online service that's gonna be streamed uh, some of it from St Mary's, some of it um, uh, videos. Um, our worship group uh, um, is also going to be involved in terms of playing some of our videos, some of their videos that they've made for the occasion. Um, and so you can log on and watch that from ten o'clock next this coming Friday, um, uh, and it will be streamed on both YouTube and Facebook. Um, I'll give you the links there, but we'll also send those links out on the weekly email this week as well. Um, but I'm sure you can find it by rooting around on Facebook and. Uh, and YouTube as well, if you if you're up for that sort of stuff as well. Um, and just as well, just to uh, let you know, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, um, we're going to be both streaming online, and we're going to uh, we're, st- well, we're going to be streaming our sur- live service from east, uh, from the Chalkstone. Um, so basically, we will have the best of both worlds. Work next week, that we'll have an in- uh, for those of you who want it. There's uh, going to be an in-person service at the Chalkstone. And, um, and uh, if those of you don't feel ready to come back yet to on uh, face-to-face services or, or can't make it for whatever reason, we'll, s- we'll still be able to watch um, via the Facebook links and, and stuff as well. So um, if you are somebody that would like to come to the in-service meeting at, uh, at Chalkstone at 10.30 next Sunday, um, then um, you will need to book in. Uh, and if you haven't done so already, please let me encourage you to do so. We've got, we've got over 20 people booked in already, and our maximum is 30 in the hall. So um, the children will have in their own church, uh, for those that are 11 years and under, uh, in, the, uh, in the garden at the, uh, at the back of Chalkstone. Again, you need to book in just to let us know that they're coming, and we will keep to all the rules. There will be uh, social distancing, we'll expect you to wear a mask, Um, There will be live worship, but we won't be able to sing along with it, Um, but nevertheless, it will just be really great. It feels a little bit like a step in the right direction, doesn't it, next week as a sort of one-off to see how we get on with um, in-person meeting. And to do that on Easter Sunday, um, I don't know about you, but that just feels like a really... Great moment. It just does, does actually. I don't know whether I'm reading too much into it, but it does seem sort of somehow prophetic, somehow significant that we are looking at coming out of this last year, and we're really engaging with that thinking uh, at Easter, the time of the resurrection, in which we ultimately celebrate the resurrection of Christ into this new eternity. That uh, and um, yeah so somehow, no, that just does feel significant, doesn't it? So, well, it's been a year on now, and uh, you know, the last year, it's had its ups and downs, hasn't it? Um, had its great moments, it's had its uh, moments when it's been a bit harder and stuff like that, but um, uh, Henry was just talking to Henry a little while ago, and Henry was saying, you know, he'd like to really put together some uh, a little video that just celebrates some of the the amazing things that have happened in the last year, you know, it's, it's not been all doom and gloom. There's been some amazing senses in which God has, has initiated things in us or helped us to do things that we never would have dreamt we could have done before or that we wouldn't have tried. Uh, and so, you know, a year on, a year on, it's been a tough year, but it's also been a year of opportunity, hasn't it? And so thank you, Henry. I warn you, this is a little bit of a tearjerker. Well, I found it a little bit of a tearjerker. Maybe it's just me being bit old and sentimental but um, you know yeah this is great. Thank you Henry. It's just yeah. Watched it a few times now and every time I just get really emotional. <laughs> awesome. Let's just worship God now, shall we? Just that's the only thing we can do in response to some of the things that God has done amongst us really is just to say God, we love you God. We think you're amazing. So let's worship. And these songs I think just really flow on so well from that particular little video. Thank you.
2: Control what tomorrow will bring You come I oh. don't oh.
3: you
0: Thank you, God. Thank you, the God who was in the fire with um, you know Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, the God who, who held back the waters of the sea as they walked through the ground, the God who, who is the one who left the tomb empty, is the one who is with us today. And we thank you, God, that you are that one, that, Lord, you have seen us through a season, you are seeing us through a season, and we love you, God. We love you for it. Lord, I pray as we just share some thoughts together, as I share some thoughts from the scriptures now, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will illuminate them to us and you would stir our hearts, Lord, to love you with a deeper passion and to be able to follow you with more uh, wisdom and, 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 and um, initiative and drive, Lord. And I pray, God, this morning that you would speak to our hearts, that which is from me, let it fall to on one side, God, that which is from you, that it stir us and change us and challenge us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Brilliant. Well, it is Palm Sunday, isn't it? And, um, you know, I meant to say at the beginning, actually, you know, um, the clocks uh, went forward, didn't they? <laughs> so if anybody is watching this in an hour's time, um, welcome to you as well. So, um, but, um, you know, um, so I hope we're not all feeling a little bit too bit too tired this morning, lost an hour's sleep. Um, but, yeah, it's great. So today is, is Palm Sunday, isn't it? And um, And, of course, Palm Sunday. Uh, starts uh, a week that Christians generally um, uh, celebrate as, um, as Holy Week or, as what, what I would prefer, Easter Week. The week that leads up to uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. Um, in fact, actually, I think it's more significant perhaps to celebrate Easter than it is the Christmas period. And, um, because it really takes us to the real heart. Of the Christian message, doesn't it? The Christian gospel, and I think you know, it is appropriate that we we give space and time to this particular week. You know, it's interesting that um, each of the gospels give a disproportionate amount to, to this. You know, um, let me just have a look at my little notes here. Matthew and Luke they give approximately a quarter of their um, gospels over to um, this to the uh, last week of Jesus's life. Uh, Mark's account, um, in Mark's gospel, he gives over a third of his gospel to just that last week of Jesus's life. And John gives a whopping, almost 50% of his gospel to that last um, uh, week of Jesus's life. And so sort of roughly speaking, of course, there is the uh, within all of those, the, the time after the resurrection as well, uh, that is within them, uh, those particular, um, and so if the gospel writers if the gospel writers thought that the last week of Jesus's life had demanded so much space in their gospels then surely there is a lot that is significant for us in that last in that in that last week that we should be thinking about uh, and so this week maybe maybe this week you can use as an opportunity to be thinking about the heart of the gospel and what that means for you and we're going to start today by thinking a little bit about the significance of Palm Sunday, and then we're just going to go from there. And a few thoughts. So Palm Sunday, basically, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem <coughs> on a donkey. You know, Jesus would have been to Jerusalem many times over the years as a as a devout Jewish man. He would have, um, you know, would have gone back to it. And we see that the accounts of that throughout, you know, John's Gospel in particular helps us to appreciate more about how Jesus, the time that Jesus spent in Jerusalem. On um, one occasion, he even went to the feasts in Jerusalem incognito. He didn't want them to know that it was him, and he and he, and he um, you know, he, he he hid himself during those times. Um, and on the, but on this occasion, Jesus chooses on the last week that he's going to come. The last time he's going to come into Jerusalem, he chooses on this occasion to embrace the idea that he is a king uh, and to uh, allow that to be seen and evidenced more so than he'd ever done before in the the, three years of his public ministry. On this occasion, he gets on a donkey and he rides into Jerusalem. Now, the significance of that is that when when a king in antiquity, in ancient times, wanted to con- uh, conquer the city, there was two ways that he could arrive at that city. One would be splendid in a war horse, on a war horse. And in that sense, if he would come fully, um, uh, you know, um, clothed with his uh, paraphernalia in terms of his uh, in a fighting paraphernalia and there'd be lots of other things that evidence the fact that he has subjugated that city and that he had um, taken control. Or the other way that a king could come into a city would be on a donkey and uh, derobed in terms of his um, his war equipment, if you like, and and he would be, um, in doing so, he would be communicating that he was coming in peace, not to conquer and to um, subjugate, but to offer terms of peace. And Jesus, when he comes in uh, to the city as the king of glory, as the one who they would shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, on this occasion, Jesus chooses to come in peace and to communicate. What he was gonna do during the course of his next week was gonna be about peace, not about conflict. Fast forward five days, and there's another procession, isn't there? On this occasion, Jesus looks very different. On this occasion, five days after Palm Sunday, Jesus is bleeding profusely from scars on his back. He is so exhausted, he is he's almost not able to walk. Somebody has to help him to carry the cross that he is about to be crucified on. And the crowds this time, they're not shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're shouting, crucify, crucify him. And in those five days, something has happened that has changed the attitude of the general populace within Jerusalem. And I just want to spend a few moments thinking about that. You know, we've been thinking thoughts from Colossians recently. And interesting, the little passage that I read at the beginning there, it basically says that Jesus on the cross did one of two things. One was that he earned our salvation for us. He took our sin. He took all that is bad of humanity and he enclosed himself in it so that when God saw him on the cross, God the Father saw him on the cross, what he saw was one who looked like sin, although Jesus was not sin. But also the other thing that we're told here is that he disarmed the powers and authorities and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That word triumph literally is is procession. It's like a a triumphant procession. And, And it's interesting that in that moment on the cross we're told that Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities. Literally he stripped them bare on the cross. And he had his own procession. But, you know, so in one sense, that cross, that procession to the cross, it looked like Jesus was defeated. It looked like he was um, uh, beaten. But actually, we're told that in that moment, Jesus was leading a procession that was about overcoming and publicly stripping bare the powers and authorities that it was seeking. defeat him. There was a backwardness in that moment of human logic that says that in his humility, in his weakness, he was overcoming and disarming the powers and principalities and, and, and the authorities that existed. And I think that actually some of the things that we see that churned the crowd are evidences of the types of Authority, the types of power, exist things that happen um, that were that were there, and, and that Jesus challenged in that week. You see, something changed from the crowd shouting Hosanna to the crowd shouting Crucify. Something happened that changed the ground, and, and fundamentally, I think there was. Um, well, I'm just going to share. I think it's five things, no, six things, that I think Jesus did in that in those five days that caused. The majority of people to change their minds, and to cry. Shall, in other words, Jesus disappointed them. Some things that Jesus did that that disappointed the crowds in those five days, and up and and he, I think he did one or two did two things. He disappointed those that wanted him to become and be a political king who subjugated the the enemies of Israel and became a king like David, and he also upset some of the powers that existed. First, one of the first things that we see on the day after Palm Sunday, on the Monday, is that Jesus went into the temple courts and he upturned the tables of the money changers. And and in that moment, he basically said, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of iniquity. And one of the things that Jesus did to disappoint the general populace and upset those that were in positions of power was to dethrone mammon dethroned power, that, to, to basically uh, uh, um, challenge the idea of faith being built on financial dealings. You see, in the place where there should have been people crying out for their, uh, about their dependency upon God, the place of prayer where they should have been saying, we depend upon you, the God of Israel, the, the God of heaven, you know, we, we, in that place where they should have been declaring that they were basically making money out of faith. And Jesus came and said, this is not good enough. This is not good enough. And there's a challenge to us too, isn't there? Now what would we have done if we'd been in those crowds? Well, there's expressions of Christianity that basically makes faith more about finance than it does about intimacy with God. That uses faith as an opportunity to make money. We have streams of faith that basically say that you give your way towards wealth. I do believe that when we give to God, that God blesses us back in some way, it's what the scripture says, but it's not meant to be a mechanism for making us rich. There are there are whole streams of and, and in our reevaluation of the way that we do our faith that we're really thinking about in the moment and I really appreciate those of you who are praying into that at in the moment. One of the things that Jesus would continue the challenge is that we mustn't put finance over intimacy with Christ. He challenged them, he upset them and basically they didn't like it But Jesus took the money making out of faith. He challenged faith that was built on politics. He he challenged the Herodians, the ones who basically wanted to say that God has put us in a position of power, and you know, and, and that was also not just with Herodians, but with the, the you know the Sanhedrin, which was a mixture of Pharisees and and Sadducees, uh, religious uh, religious groups of the day who took political power in the nation and used that as a way of controlling people and bringing making politics more powerful if you like, um, making faith a mechanism for for controlling the political agenda. And again, as we think about the nature of church, there's a challenge for us in that. We've seen some really quite distressing expressions of that, haven't we, in the evangelical world in, in the last few months, things that we would never have thought happened, you know. Brutes, you know, um, uh, who, who, who thugs, who basically will use brute force to take, to take over, you know, governmental buildings, stopping at that moment and praying. My goodness, what's that about, you know? And yet, there's many times when we could there's many different ways that we could see that that finds its way into our world. And Jesus basically st- challenged that and said, you know, give to Caesar what is the Caesar, and God's what is God's. Don't and he, and he upset the the way that they they the way they inappropriately mix that they basically wanted to use faith to control the political agenda. Again, something we have to be careful. That he he challenged the way that they use uh, rules to to control people's faith. You know, one of the beautiful things about um, this this lockdown season is that you know we. We can't. We we can't. You know, religious leaders can't control what you're wearing or what you're saying in a way that they could do beforehand. You know, you know Henry's saying there. You know how many of you have worn your pajamas uh, to church in the last year? I can confidently assure you that I have not. Okay, <laughs> that would have been a really distressing scene if I had. You know, um, but yet you know. You know. So what we wear to church can't be controlled by the policymakers can they you know in that so and and, and i just i personally i just love it when we take the religiousness out of religion and and, and about our faith and and jesus challenged the pharisees and the way that they he said you make them twice as much a son of hell as you are you know by the rules and regulations and the way that you distort the priorities of the kingdom to just keep people under your control and he challenges that, the use of, of rules to control faith in a way that are not consistent with the Scriptures. He challenged the way that they ignored God's power, the Sadducees ignored. He said to them, you know, you do not know the power of God, all the scriptures, you know, and, and, and he challenged the belief, you know, my brothers and sisters, let's not in our pursuit of, uh, you know, of course we keep the rules and the regulations and all the things that we go, but let's not stop looking to God for his supernatural power, shall we? Let's not believe that God is not the one who will bring things forward. And, and many of us have great testimonies of how God has been at work in this last year, can't we, that speak of his power? Equally, he challenged the way they use the scriptures, The way they interpreted them. And he said, you know, he brought them back and said, you've got to see me in these scriptures. And my brothers and sisters, you know, my friends, you know, that let's be sure that the way that we handle the scriptures are the way that Jesus would have us handle them. That we see Jesus in all of the scriptures. That we see that they are a route to our our salvation and our life in him. Not some sort of mechanistic rule book or some sort of, um, you know, way of, and there's lots of of ways I could explore that thought, but Jesus challenged the way that they used the scriptures and the way that they ignored him. You know, we see Jesus first and we'll see everything else in the scriptures. And he really upset them when he challenged the idea that their faith should be built around a location. Matthew 24 and 25, when Jesus, when Jesus, in Matthew 24, Jesus basically said to them the temple was going to be destroyed. And he talked about the destruction of Jerusalem. And and in particular when he talked to them about the destruction of the temple, that would have rocked their socks, it would have blown their minds. And basically what he was saying was, you don't build your faith upon a physical location that your faith is now built, is faith built upon a person, faith is built upon Jesus, and, and engagement with Him. And again, in this last year, we've really learned that again, haven't we? You know, those of us who, or those, those in the Christian world who, who, who put the, um, the place over the person, who say church is a place that we go to, the church is about being at a, lo- a specific location, I would have really struggled in this shot last year. But we've learned, haven't we? We've reminded ourselves that fundamentally our faith is about how we follow Jesus, how we get to know him and how we follow him, and that faith is about a person, it's not about a building. It's not, you know, please, 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 we're starting next Sunday in-person services at, at, at Chalkstone, but you will not hear me saying that we're starting church again last next week. Church has never stopped. Church cannot stop if it is true church. All we'll be doing is that we'll be doing some togetherness again in a way that we haven't been able to do for us for quite some time. And when we really get that, Jesus challenged them and that would have upset them and disappointed them. So let me come back to that thought that I offered at the beginning. If I'd been in the crowd in Jerusalem, what would I have made of Jesus's behaviour, Jesus's teaching? in that last week of that. You see, we, we can have views of how God should behave, of what God should be about, of what faith should be about, that we bring to the agenda. And in that way, we shout, Hosanna, welcome, <laughs> welcome, Jesus. And when he kicks back and says, hey, your faith can't be about how rich I can make you, your faith can't be about controlling everybody through rules and regulations. Your faith can't be about being clever with the scriptures and to a way, you know, you know and ignoring the Messiah in the scriptures. Your faith can't be about a physical location. I wonder, what would I have said back? What do I say now? Are there any areas in which Jesus is challenging the way that I think God should be or the way that I think faith should be that would cause me to say, to turn from welcome to reject, from shouting blessed to shouting curse. Is there anything in me? You might say, Paul, that's a bit extreme. Well, maybe it's levels of that, hey, there's grades of that in each of us. And we think that God should behave a certain way and we get disappointed or frustrated when he doesn't and we begin to reject him. And this week is about really recognizing that, that Jesus comes to us always with the offer of peace. Jesus always comes to us saying, the bottom line for me is that I want peace with you. And it's up for us to embrace that peace. The Easter message says to us, God offers us peace. Well, we often want peace on our terms, (laughs) not on the Messiah's terms. Jesus dethrones the powers that want to control our faith. Jesus dethrones powers that cause us to have a, a decreased life. And he says, I offer you peace. This Easter, this week, there is peace on offering for you. If you've never met this Jesus, and you've never known this peace, you can have that right now. When we move into a few moments of prayer in just a few seconds, you can say to Jesus, I'd like this peace, I want this peace. And if you're a Christian this week, let me encourage you to use it as a week to evaluate, to reflect, on just how much you embrace the sacrificial life of Christ. Let's pray, shall we? If you are somebody who's never given your life to Jesus, just like you to repeat a prayer after me, if that's okay, and use it as a stepping stone to a new life of prayer, a new relationship with Jesus. So, Lord Jesus, as I look at this Easter message this year, I recognize that I have need of you. And I ask Lord Jesus this week, you will forgive me for living my life without you. And you'll help me, Lord Jesus, to live the life you want for me. I accept you, Lord Jesus. I accept the work of the cross and the life that you now give to me. And Lord, I pray for each one of us that we will discover you deeper and deeper this Easter week. If you are somebody who pray for the first time that you want to to follow Jesus, then please just get in touch or just reach out to another Christian And let them help you get on the right footing for this new journey of life. And I bet right even now you're beginning to feel a new sense of of like a weight has lifted off your shoulders. Like a new sense of relief in your life. It's awesome. Just going to play this little video which somehow or another, it is sort of feels like a bit like a child's video. But it is really, I think it captures so much of what I've talked about here just now. So just give me a moment and I'll get it.
4: The day Jesus died, everything was the wrong way round. The day Jesus died, it was dark in the middle of a bright day. Everything was the wrong way round. A friend is someone who sticks by when things are hard, as well as the times you're having fun. Well, the day Jesus died, His friends betrayed him, disowned him, ran away, and let him down. Everything was the wrong way round. A judge's job is to let innocent people go free. Well, the day Jesus died, the judges listened to lies, ignored the truth, and sentenced Jesus to death. Everything was the wrong way round. A soldier's job is to protect people who do good. The day Jesus died, soldiers arrested Jesus, hit him, made fun of him, took all his belongings and nailed him to the cross. Everything was the wrong way round. A cross was made to take someone's life. But the day Jesus died, it didn't take his life. Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Then he gave up his spirit. The judges, soldiers, and cross didn't take Jesus' life. He gave himself. Everything was the wrong way round. That's what makes the day Jesus died good. God made everything the wrong way round on one day to put everything the right way round in eternity. Jesus took our place, dying the death our lack of love deserved, so that everyone who trusts him can take his place, living forever his perfect love earned. Jesus gave his life to fix the broken world, Jesus gave his life to save imperfect people. Jesus committed his spirit into the Father's hands so that we can be safe with God forever. The day Jesus died, everything was the wrong way round. To put everything the right way for eternity.
0: That we can embrace this Easter message is to just reflect in the breaking of bread on what is to come this week. What is we remind what we're going to be thinking about the the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus taught us. Well, as often we meet together, that we do this in remembrance of Him. So I'm just going to spend a few moments in prayer, and um, and then off the back of that, we'll just break bread together. If you've got your own prayer requests, please feel free to just type them on the live feed there. And um, even if we don't pray them together now, we'll pick them up and pray for them during the week as well. So, Lord, thank you, Lord, that the Easter message, Lord, is one that speaks of hope, that speaks of a future, that says that you are the one who, in that words of that video there, turns everything the wrong way around. When we think that things are a certain way, you call them something else. And so, Lord, we want to pray, Lord, for this broken world, Lord, to, to find more and more of your life. Lord, I pray for anybody that is still, um, you know, feeling the effects of the pandemic, and whether that's through loss, or whether it's through illness, or whether it's through difficult times. Lord, will you meet them in their point of need, we pray, God. Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus, um, for our brothers and sisters around the world, particularly for some of the ones that we know, Lord. And and Lord, we pray (coughs) for you to be with them and to strengthen them and to help them. We pray for the rollout of the vaccinations to be effective and efficient, Lord, we pray. And to be equal, to be fair, Lord, across the world in which we live. And Lord, we pray for this next week that, Lord, anybody that is in need for you physically, Lord, I pray for you to meet them, God, in that need, Lord. Lord, we love you. I think you're amazing. Continue to pray for those in positions of authority, Lord, for, that make decisions on our behalf. We pray that you will bless them in know what they do. In Jesus' name. And now, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body, which was broken for us. And this Easter week, Lord, we choose to celebrate and reflect on who you are and what you've done for us, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Let's break bread together, shall we? And we also celebrate that or remember that the blood of Christ was shed for our sins. And in that blood we recognize a covenant that is made between us and God that will last for all eternity. We thank you Jesus. You are the one who makes it possible. Love you God. Thank you Jesus. Well, we've run a little bit over time this morning and um, so probably weren't playing the last worship song that I was going to play. Um, but maybe I'm just going to play that little um, uh, video again that Henry uh, kindly made for us. I don't know, just watch that again at the end Our time together this morning. We'll go straight from that into another video on which there will be the login details for the coffee. And please feel free to just to join us for coffee this morning as well. And, uh, and I just pray that this week you'll be blessed in all that God has, has doing in you and through you. And, uh, and as I said, if you're if somebody you've who, just decided to walk that path of following Jesus, please get in touch with us. Um, you know, and we'd really love to help you move forward. So, Okay, God bless you. And let's just listen to this uh, little video again, shall we?